Well, welcome to everybody at all six of our locations. We're so thrilled uh, that you're here at National Community Church this weekend, and you're here uh, on a great weekend. Um, we have the privilege of welcoming uh, really two of God's choice servants. Lisa Bevere spoke at the beautiful U conference that many of our women were a part of, including my wife, Laura. And uh, I know that you were blessed by that. And uh, I got a phone call going through in an airport. I was headed somewhere, and I got this call from John saying, hey, uh, I am available that weekend to be in D.C. And I'm like, well, let me pray about it. Yes, you come. And uh, there are some people that you meet that you just want to spend more time with. And you know uh, that we don't have a lot of people that we invite in to speak um, we're very selective, but there are some people that we feel like uh, we need to open up our hearts and hear what they have to say. And John Bevere is one of those people. Uh, he is an author uh, of best-selling books, and uh, we've got some of those books at uh, all of our locations. So you're going to want to pick those up. You know, I always feel like uh, as an author that, uh, John, and maybe you feel the same way, that a book is a way that someone can hang out with me for four or five hours. And if they're a slow reader, they can hang out with me even longer than that. So if you're a slow reader, you know, you can hang out with John for a long time. Uh, hey, it is with such joy uh, to be able to invite and introduce to you John Bevere. And would you just give it up for him as he comes and shares with us this weekend? Good evening, everybody. Hey, everybody stand up. So great to be here at our nation's capital to NCC, and I have been looking so forward to this. Lisa and I have known Mark and Laura, Pastor Mark and Pastor Laura for a couple years. How many of you know you got great pastors? Come on. I mean, how many of you know it? He has helped the body of Christ worldwide with his books. I mean, just amazing books. We could go on and on. And I just want to thank you for sharing him with the world because he has touched the body of Christ so deeply. And I just want to say I've been really looking forward to coming because you know what? This is a great, great city. This is a city that, man, as I was praying this morning in the hotel room, I'm like, God, give us wise, wise leaders, godly leaders. Amen? Because I want America to continue to be strong, and we're only going to be strong if we keep reaching out. Can you say amen to that? All right. Now, tonight, I want to ask you a favor. Can you please not see me? Well, let me just say this. Today, can you do me a favor? Don't see me as a guest speaker, but see me as family, okay? I'm born again. Anybody around here born again? That makes us family, isn't that right? Come on. So you got all, all right, you got Papa Mark, you got Mama Laura, you got Uncle John is in the house tonight, right? Okay? So anyway, let me do something. Let me share with you the people that are so dear to me, and that's my own family. Can we do that? So here's a snapshot, a quick snapshot. You can see my smoking hot, gorgeous wife of 30 years of marriage. And some of you ladies might have been with her today and last night she was doing the conference. And also you will see my youngest son, Arden's on the left. That's my oldest son, Addison. Next to him is Juliana, my daughter-in-law. And then you've got Alec next to Lisa. He's third. And then our second born son, Austin, is at the very end on the right. And then you see the two little ones. Now, who are they? Those are my G-babies. Now, what is a G-baby? I am way too young to be grandpa, okay? So it is G-daddy and G for short. So, of course, we got to highlight the G-babies, right? So here's Asher sporting his new tie. Yeah, he is as cute as he looks. And then this is Sophia Grace. And let me tell you something. She is really, really special because she's the first girl born in the entire Bavira Toscano clan since 1967. 
So you better believe she is going to be one celebrated little girl. And of course, I will be her favorite because I am G-Daddy who gives her anything she wants, including my private stash of dark chocolate. So anyway, those, that's my family. And the more I come to love them, the more I realize how much God loves us. Can you say amen to that? Amen. All right. Well, I want to pray and I want to get right into the word tonight. Can we do that? All right, Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you so very much for this church that you've raised up to be a bright light in this national national capital and throughout the world. I'm asking that you would speak to us in Jesus' name, and everybody that agrees says amen. amen. Come on, let's thank God for what he's going to do. Amen. Amen. Well, you can be seated. All right, tonight I want to open up with a scripture, and this scripture has become very dear to me. Two entire books have come out of this one scripture. And John the Apostle's in his 90s when he penned these words. And he says this, and you know why I said he's in his 90s? Because people that are that old can say a whole lot in a few words. And that's why two books have come out of this one scripture. But John says, look to yourselves. Everybody shout, look to myself. All right, so you know immediately he's not speaking to the person next to you. He's speaking to you. That we do not lose those things we work for, but that we may receive a full reward. Now, everybody shout reward. reward. Now, how many of you know God's a rewarder? Yeah. Okay, come on. I asked the question. Where I come from, it's rude not to answer a question if you're asked. Is it the same in D.C.? Yes. Okay. Is it, how many of you know God's a rewarder? I mean, yeah. I mean, how does he introduce himself to Abraham? He appears to this guy and says, I am your shield, your exceeding great reward. What a way to introduce yourself to somebody when you're God, right? Now, the thing that really got my attention on this scripture is the fact that John just doesn't say reward. Notice he specifically says full reward. Now, for John to say full reward means what? That means there is a partial reward scenario and there is a no reward scenario. Isn't it interesting that he doesn't write and say, live in such a way that you're going to get a partial reward? Why doesn't he say that? Because God wants you, listen to my words, he wants you to receive the full reward. Can you say amen? amen. Now, what is God saying to us when he tells us through this apostle? Live in such a way that we're going to get a full reward. Because Proverbs says the righteous will be rewarded in the earth. So I started meditating on this scripture in, in the light of the Gospels. Okay, so I was walking through the Gospels, meditating on this scripture. And I realized that in the ministry of Jesus, there were some people that received full rewards from heaven. There were others who received partial rewards. And there were still others who got nothing. And the more I meditated on this, the more I realized there was a thread running through all these different scenarios. And that thread is what I want to share with you tonight, uh, today, okay? And so let me start off with Mark's gospel, the sixth chapter. If we go to Mark 6, we've got Jesus actually coming to a city that is looking for the Messiah. They are anticipating his coming, and they know it's the season of his coming. He comes to this city, and we read in the fifth verse, now he could do no mighty work there, except he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. Now you have to understand, in other cities, he's opening up the eyes of the blind, ears of the deaf, he's causing crippled people to uh, walk, he's even raising the dead. But he comes to this city, and maybe just a few headaches are getting healed, or a bad back, or a minor case of arthritis, but not near the miracles that were happening in the other cities. But what really got my attention were the words, he could do no mighty work. Now, I remember when I saw this, I thought, wait a minute. The Bible doesn't say, I checked all the other translations. It doesn't say he wouldn't do any mighty work. I can handle that. That deals with his will. He said he couldn't. 
which means he was restrained. I mean, the Amplified makes it clear. The Amplified said he was not able to do any mighty work. And I remember the day I saw this, I saw this, I, I said, wait a minute. Jesus, you're the Messiah. You have the Spirit of God without measure. You're the Son of God. Yet you come to a city and you're restrained. How many of you know we got to understand what restrains Jesus? Because if we understand what restrains Jesus, we're going to understand what restrains us, right? So I started searching for the answer, and I found the answer in the previous two verses. Look what the people said in verse 3. They said, Is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary, and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? Are not his sisters here with us? So they were offended at him. Now look at verse 4. But Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor. Now everybody say honor. honor. Say it again. Honor. Say it one more time. Honor. Except in his own country, among his own relatives, and in his own house. Now, what's happening here? Jesus comes to the city in which he was raised in Nazareth. It's Sabbath. He enters the synagogue. Now, when he went to the synagogue, everybody in the city is in that synagogue. And, and he walks up on the platform, and he opens up a book in the Old Testament, the book of Isaiah, and he starts reading a very familiar portion of Scripture. Everybody in that synagogue knew this Scripture because it spoke of the coming Messiah. So he begins to read the Scripture. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, for he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted, etc., etc., etc. Now, nothing's out of the ordinary until he drops closes the book and, and literally drops a bomb on them by saying, this day is the scripture fulfilled in your hearing. In other words, I am the Messiah. Now, when he said that, all of a sudden there's wrestling in the crowd. And fathers are looking at their wives going, honey, isn't this the kid that was in Sally's math class? Somebody else goes, hey, babe, isn't this the kid that was on Bobby's football team? Somebody else goes, hey, honey, isn't this the kid that made the table and chairs in our kitchen? Now, what's happening here? These people had an image of how Messiah was going to come. And their image was, interestingly enough, developed from Old Testament Scripture. Because the same book of Isaiah also read, For unto us a child is born, a son is given, the government shall rest upon his shoulders, and of his kingdom there will be no end. So they got an image of a warring, militant, conquering Messiah coming, delivering them from Roman oppression, reestablishing the throne of David, and ruling forever and ever and ever. But when Jesus comes, it's one of their hometown boys. Now he's got a bunch of prostitutes and mafia following him because the tax collectors were the mafia of the day. They go, hold it. This is not the way we expect Messiah to come. Now that tells me something right there. Many times God will send you what you need in a package you don't want. Why does he do that? He's God. All right? So when Jesus does not come the way they expect him to come, they withhold honor from him. Everybody say honor. honor. Now, I have done an extensive amount of study on that word honor there in verse 4. It is the Greek word timi. The literal definition of the Greek word for honor, honor, timi, is a valuing. When you speak of honor to a Greek person, they will think of something that is valuable, weighty, precious, such as gold. Now, how many of you know you just don't put gold anywhere? You don't put it in your junk drawer. You put it in place of honor, right? Other definitions of this word are to, are to appreciate, to esteem, to favorably regard, to respect. Now, in some of the Greek dictionaries I read, I discovered something very interesting. Honor can be displayed, listen carefully to me, in action, in word, even in thought. But all true honor originates from the heart. This is why God says in Isaiah 29 verse 13... This people draws near to me with their mouths. They honor me with their lips, but their hearts they've removed far from me and their reverence towards me is taught by the precepts of men. God's saying, they have the, my people have the 
words of honor, the actions of honor. They've got the songs of honor, but they don't have true honor because true honor originates from the heart and is an outflow of the reverential fear of the Lord. So what happens is Jesus, because he does not come to the city in the way they think Messiah should come, they withhold honor from him. The result is a few bad backs got healed, a minor case of arthritis, a headache, but not near the miracles that were happening in the other cities. So they received a small partial reward from heaven because of one word. Everybody say it. Because of honor. If you go to Luke's gospel, the fifth chapter, you've got Jesus teaching in a very large house. And the Bible says that in this house there was a multitude of teachers and preachers. So probably a couple hundred. And the Bible says as he taught them, the power of the Lord was there to heal them. Everybody say them. Who is them? The teachers and the preachers. Now, how many of you know God never wastes anything? If the power of the Lord's there to heal them, that means at least one of them needed to get healed. And when you got a couple hundred people in the room, it's usually a half a dozen or a dozen. But none of them got healed. It wasn't until some men tried to get into the meeting, but they couldn't. So they went up on the roof, they broke open the tile roof and let down a paralytic on ropes. And the Bible said, when Jesus saw their faith, He said, man, your sins are forgiven you. Now, when Jesus said, man, your sins are forgiven you, the teachers and the preachers just thought this. So I want to paint a picture. They're not looking at each other going, hey, Ralph, can you believe what this guy just said? No, he's a jerk. I can't believe it, Fred. This is ridiculous. They're not saying that. They just think this. Who is this that can forgive sins? Only God can forgive sins. And the Bible said, when Jesus knew their thoughts, he said, which is easier to say? Your sins are forgiven or get up and walk so that you may know the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive. He said to the paralytic, get up and walk. And the man gets up and walks out. And you know, what all, you know what the Bible says? All the teachers and preachers were greatly amazed. They were greatly amazed, but none of them got healed. Even, even though the power of the Lord was originally there to heal them, none of them got healed. Why? Because they dishonored Jesus just in their thinking. They received no reward from heaven, even though the power of God was originally there to heal them. If you go to Matthew's gospel, the eighth chapter, you've got an officer of the Roman army. He's a centurion. He looks at Jesus and he says, Jesus, would you please heal my servant? He is dreadfully tormented. Jesus looks back at the guy and says, I'll come to your house and heal your servant. The officer immediately goes, no, no, no. I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof. Wait a minute. I'm not worthy. This is the conqueror speaking to the conquered. You remember? Rome had conquered Israel. This is an officer of the Roman army speaking to a Jewish carpenter. You see the honor he's showing Jesus? This is like a four-star United States Marine general looking at a waiter in Iraq saying, I'm not worthy to come under your roof, sir. So do you see the honor he's showing Jesus? And then he gives the reason. He said, because I also am a man under authority. And because I'm under authority, I've got authority. So all I have to do is say one word and my soldiers instantly obey me because I'm under authority. Therefore, I've got it. And he said, Jesus, I recognize you're under your father's authority. So I know all you have to do is say one word. And that devil's got to leave my servant like my soldiers instantly obey me when I say a word. Well, when Jesus heard it, he marveled. Now, when Jesus marvels, that gets my attention. And he looks at the people and he says, I'm going to tell you, I have not seen this much faith in all of Israel. Now, do you know what Jesus just said? He just said, I have not found this much faith in all of Israel, which means he was saying this Roman officer had more faith than John the Baptist because he found John the Baptist in Israel or Mary or the 12 or anybody else. Now, 
We're all men and women of faith. We know the Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, right? I would be willing to bet and I would win this bet. This Roman officer heard far less scriptures than John the Baptist. Yet he had more faith than John the Baptist. Why? Because of his understanding of honor and authority, he received a full reward. Now, you take this all through the Gospels, and I don't have time to do it tonight, but you can read it in the book. And you'll discover those who honored Jesus greatly got a full reward from heaven. Those who withheld honor from him got a small partial reward. Those who dishonored him got nothing. You take this all the way to one week before he was crucified, and he makes the most amazing statement in Luke's Gospel, the 13th chapter, 35th verse. He said, I tell you, now this is Jesus speaking, you will not see me again until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. In other words, he's saying, I'm going away. I'm going to be crucified next week. And you're not going to see me again until you say to the one I send you, blessed is he or she who comes in the name of the Lord. In other words, I'm going away. You're not going to see me, Jesus, again until you honor the one I send you in my name. Why is that? Because Jesus says that all over the Gospels, here's one such example, John 13, verse 20. He who receives, now I'm going to replace the word receives with honors because they're one and the same. He who honors whomever I send honors me, Jesus. And he who honors me, Jesus, honors the Father who sent me. And God gives us a spiritual law in 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 31. God said, those who honor me, I will honor them. Those who lightly esteem me, I will lightly esteem them. How would you ever lightly esteem God? By lightly esteeming the one Jesus sends us, we lightly esteem Jesus. By lightly esteeming Jesus, we lightly esteem the Father. And the Father says, in return, I will lightly esteem you. Not a good idea when you need a prayer answered. Are you still here? You're real quiet in this Methodist church. You still here? Okay, just want to make sure. Now, you're going to find this all over the Gospels. Here's another example in Matthew chapter 10. Jesus said, he who receives or honors you honors me. He who honors me honors him, the Father who sent me. Now, look at verse 41. He who honors a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's what? What is that? What did we read? What's the first scripture we read? See that you receive a full reward. Are you getting it? Look, now keep reading. And he who honors a righteous man in the name of a righteous man shall receive a righteous man's what? Okay, keep reading verse 42. And whoever gives one of these little ones only a cup of cold water honors them in the name of a disciple. Assuredly, I say to you, he shall by no means lose his what? So what is Jesus speaking of here? He's speaking of the three levels of human beings you will ever come in contact with. Every human being you ever meet falls under one of these three categories. What are the three categories? Those who are above us in authority, our leaders. Those who are on our level of authority, our peers. And those who are entrusted to our care, whom Jesus refers to as little ones. Honoring each of these levels of authority brings a certain reward from heaven. Why? Because Jesus said, you've done it to the least of these, my brethren. You've done it to me. And what you've done to me, you have done to the Father, and the Father shall do to you. Still with me? Now, what are the three? Let's talk about these three levels of authority and the reward that comes from each, real briefly. First of all, prophet. Now, you can easily span this out to the other three areas of authority because prophet specifically speaks of church authority when it says it. But you can easily span it out to the other three areas of authority that God's placed over every one of our lives because how many of you know that God has placed four areas of authority over each of our lives. Can I see a show of hands? Okay, I hope the other campuses are doing better. We have five hands up here. (laughs) Let me take a little step back here. Okay, how many of you know the Bible says all authority is of God? A fourth of you. 
wow, okay. All right, it's okay. I mean, we might have a bunch of newly saved people in here. That's fine. So um, the Bible says all authorities of God. And you know what? A lot of Christians don't like that scripture. You want to know why they don't like it? Because they've had mean, cruel, dishonest authorities. Well, let me make this really clear. The Bible says all authorities of God. The Bible does not say all authorities are godly. The authorities of God, the behavior may not be. You know, that Bible is filled with ungodly authorities. Their authority was from God, but their behavior was not. You know, I have discovered something. I have preached the gospel now in over 50 nations. I have discovered that Americans are some of the hardest people in the whole world to communicate the things of God to. And it's really quite simple. We're a people trying to understand kingdom principles with a democratic mindset. Okay, democracy is great for America, but if you try to relate with God with your democratic mindset, you and God will not even connect. He's a king. He's actually a real king. He's not a figurehead king like that lady over in England. He's a real king, okay? He's got rank, order, and authority. So you try to relate to God with your democratic mindset, and you and he will not even connect. Good preaching. Amen. All right. So what are the, <laughs> I'm trying to help some of you. What are some of the, what are the four areas of authority that God's delegated over our life? First of all, civil. Everybody say civil. All right, that'd be the president, the vice president, senators, right down to the policeman on the street. Next one would be family authority. Husband's the head of the home. Wife is to submit to the husband. Children obey their parents. Third one the Bible talks about is social authority. That's our bosses, teachers, coaches, etc. And the final one, when Jesus specifically referred to when he said prophet, is church authority. Now, let's talk about civil authority. What does the Bible say? Romans 13, for rulers, civil authorities, are not to be feared by those who do good, but by those who do evil, because they are God's servants. Everybody say, God's servants. Working for your own good. You know, I was in the gym in Colorado Springs where I live a few years ago. And um, I was working out. And I started witnessing this man and woman who were working out next to me. It turns out, I found out he was a policeman. She was a policewoman. When I found that out, I looked at him and I said, Man, the respect that I have in my heart for you two is enormous. Because the Bible literally says you're God's servants. Well, the policeman goes, Dude, are you serious? I said, what? He says, the Bible says I'm one of God's servants. I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. It says that. He said, I'm tattooing that scripture right on my back. And sure enough, two weeks later, he pulled up his shirt, and there it was, Romans 13. I thought, man, I'm glad he's got that. I hope he's saved. All right? So, so look at verse 7. Pay them what you owe them. Pay them your personal and property taxes, and show respect. And what? Honor. What? Honor. Now keep reading for all the nice ones. Is that what it says? Okay, where I, no, okay, stop, time out. Where I come from, it's extremely rude to not answer a question if you're asked. Is there a culture difference here? Okay, so if I ask a question, will you answer me? Thank you. Okay, so, does it say all the nice ones? No, it doesn't. It says all of them. Wait a minute. You're telling me we're supposed to show honor to a mean, cruel, dishonest authority? Well, let's let the Bible interpret the Bible. 1 Peter 2.17 says, fear God, honor the king. You know what Peter's saying there? How can you say you fear God who you don't see when you can't respect the person he's placed his authority on that you do see? You know, do you know who the king was that Peter was writing about here? The historic king that Peter referred to when he said honor the king. It was Herod Agrippa I. Do you know who Herod Agrippa I was? He was the king of Judea who murdered Christians in cold blood to find political, to gain political favor with the larger segment of people, the Jewish people. How in the world are you supposed to honor a king who's murdering Christians in cold blood? It's not easy. This is what you got to do. You got to see beyond the man's behavior and honor the authority that's on him. See, in America, you know what we say to leadership? You got to first earn my respect. 
fear of God doesn't say that because the fear of God doesn't judge by the seeing of the eye, the hearing of the ear. It judges according to righteous judgment. Fear of God doesn't say you have to first earn my respect to a leader. Fear of God says I see the authority that is on you. Therefore, you already have my respect because I honor your authority, not your behavior. Amen. You know, I was in a church back when I first started traveling in the Midwest, 1990, 91, 92. I went to this church three years in a row. They'd had about 120 people. They'd been 120 people for 10 years. They just weren't growing. I stopped going for a couple of years, and a couple of years later, they asked me to come to the church. And they said they were going to have over 1,000 people. I said, that's not the same church to my assistant. She said, it is the same church. I said, they were at 120 people for 10 years. They got over 1,000. I said, book me. I'm going. So I go, sure enough, 1,000 people in the building. They're all around the back walls. They're in a new building. I said to the pastor, I said, what happened? He said, I'll tell you what happened. I said, what broke it open for you? He said, I'll tell you. He said, I got so fed up of hearing my people complain about our city officials and trying to cut corners paying taxes. I went to the mayor of the city, found out what the greatest need was in the city that they couldn't afford in their budget. It was a $25,000 fireman mask. He said, so I got up in front of my church on Sunday morning. I put up Romans 13. I looked at my church and I said, how dare you speak against God's servants the way you talk about our city officials? How dare you try to cut corners paying taxes to what rightfully belongs to God's servants. He said, you know what we're doing as a church? We're repenting and we are going to bring forth works, fruits worthy of repentance. City needs $25,000. I want to receive an offering for God's servants, the city today. He said, I received $25,000 from that 120 people. He said, I called them, this, made an appointment with the mayor. He knew what I was doing. Two o'clock Wednesday afternoon, I go down there with some of my elders. Mayor gathers every city official. He said, I open up my Bible. I said, you are God's servant. Read the scripture to him. He said, we want to honor you. Here's a check for $25,000 by your fireman's mask. He said, we did our building dedication nine months later. Every worker in the city came to that building dedication. He said, a bunch of them got saved. He said, it was the very ticket that broke up in the whole city. We honored the authority of God in the city. God rewarded our church by, by what? Opening up the city to us. That's honor's reward. Are you getting this? Next one's family. Ephesians chapter 6 says, Honor your father and mother, which is the first suggestion with a promise. (laughs) No, it's not a suggestion. It's a command. Okay? Now, you can see the reward is attached right to this command to honor your parents, right? What is the, the, the reward? What is the promise? It's actually two. It's in verse three. Number one, that it may be well with you. And number two, that you live a long life. Do you understand that you have a covenant promise of God that if you honor your mom and dad, you can say to cancer, get out of this house. I have honored my mom and dad. I will live long and I will be successful. I don't know about you, but that excites me. Now, the problem is we live in a nation that trains us to dishonor our parents. You know, you saw those four boys up there. Those are four of the most godly boys I've ever met in my life. When they were toddlers, there were certain G-rated movies. I didn't say PG. I said G-rated movies. We forbid them to watch. Okay? You understand? Not PG. G. Put out by the companies in Orlando and L.A. Why? Why did we forbid our kids to watch those movies? Because all through those movies, the people in those movies, the, the kid actors, were speaking so disrespectfully and so dishonorably to their parents. I said, you are not watching these movies. I, re- I forbid it. I said, I'd rather you watch movies with righteous killing in it because that's all over the Old Testament, but you're not watching these movies. (laughs) Now, there were some people who thought we were being too extreme. I don't think so because Deuteronomy 27 says cursed. Now, if your neighbor says you're cursed, big deal. God says you're cursed. That's a bad day. Cursed is he who dishonors his father or his mother, and all the people shall say amen. You know what's interesting? God put the Ten Commandments in the list of the order of importance. I'm not going to take the time to establish that, but it's in the book. 
First being the most important, tenth being the, the least important. Murder's pretty serious. It's number six. Adultery, that's really serious. That's number seven. Stealing, whew, that's number eight. You know what God puts above all three of those? Dishonor your mom and dad. Could it be that God sees dishonoring your mother and father as a more serious offense than murder, stealing, or adultery? Now, I'm not justifying murder, stealing, or adultery. The Bible says those that practice such will not inherit the kingdom, and you'll do jail time on a couple of them. But I personally believe that God sees dishonoring your mom and dad as a more serious offense than murder, stealing, and adultery. And I have proof, and you can read it in the book. Next one, social authority. Bosses, teachers, coaches. Let as many as your servants, students, employees, athletes under the yoke count their own masters, teachers, bosses, coaches, worthy of some honor or all honor. Which one? All honor. I was playing a golf course, $200 million golf course on the coast of Florida two, two years ago. Um, it's an unbelievable golf course. Second most beautiful clubhouse I've ever seen, okay? There's no members in this golf course. It's owned by one man. It's his personal golf course. Only his friends play there. I mean, it was quite remarkable. Mayor Bloomfield of New York was on the putting green. Bob Greasy of the Dolphins was behind me. Jim Leland, the coach of the Detroit Tigers, was next to me at lunch, and next to him was Tom Brokaw, okay? Playing this golf course... I'm getting ready to hit a shot, and I look up the guy that manages this man's personal golf course. He's got 35 team members under him, staff members, that just take care of the grounds, okay? And I said to him, Alan, he was a Christian. I said, Alan, you need to take care of this golf course as if Jesus owns it, not Mr. H. He goes, John, where do you get that from? I said, the Bible says you serve your employers not as men pleasers, but as unto the Lord. He said, it does, doesn't it? I said, yeah. He said, it totally changed my attitude. I'm taking care of this course. I said, good, you got it. Let's play golf. And I beat him that day. It was a good day. <laughs> All right. Church authority. Here's the one that Jesus was specifically referring to when he said prophet. Dear brothers and sisters, honor those who are your leaders in the Lord's work. Now, when I read this scripture, I think of two men specifically. First would be T.L. Osborne. T.L. Osborne is not with us two months ago. He went home to be with his, his reward. Let me tell you, Lisa and I almost went to work for T.L. and Daisy Osborne back in 1987. At that time, they had already led 62 million people to Jesus. Okay? I'm not talking about television ministry either. I'm talking in their crusades, mostly in Africa. In one service, they would have three to 500,000 people. Okay? T.L. told me this personally. He emailed me to confirm it. He said, John, in one service, we would see hundreds of deaf ears open up just like that. He said, in one service, one service, we would see scores of blind eyes open up. He said, in one service, we would see crippled people who had never walked before would start walking. I think of Reinhard Bunke, who's a friend of mine. I was having lunch with him one day. I said, Reinhard, do you see great miracles over Because he's seen 22 million people come to the Lord in Africa. Over 22 million. I said, I said do you see miracles? He, he said, oh, brother. He said, hundreds of, de- of blind eyes open up. You know, deaf ears, deaf ears. And then he said, many, many blind eyes, crippled people walking. Now, I look at these two men that I know personally. They come back to America in their American meetings, okay? Same man, same message, same anointing. In their American meetings, a few headaches get healed. Maybe a bad back or a minor case of arthritis, but not near the miracles that happened over in Africa. Why? One word. It's not insurance. It's called honor. I have been to some of these nations in Africa and the Middle East. Sometimes it almost scares me the way they treat me. I remember just, a, just two years ago, I spoke to 2,500 pastors and leaders in, Yerevan, in, in the Middle East. They came from everywhere. Saudi Arabia, they came from Syria, Lebanon, Jordan. They came from <clears throat> Iran. And, and it was in Beirut, Lebanon, and, and Yerevan, Armenia. And I remember when, when the plane landed, we're all getting off the plane 
And all of a sudden, there's this big delegation down there at the bottom. They grab me. Mr. Bevere, we're so glad you're here. Come with us. And everybody else is going that way, and I go this way. They put me in this room that's gorgeous. They bring me really good food. They give me nice drinks. And then they said, are you ready to go to the hotel? And I'm like, we got to go through customs and immigration. They go, oh, no, 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 no. And then this parade brings me to the hotel, okay? And they put me in the finest hotel in the city. And you cannot believe what God did in those meetings. I mean... It was mind-blowing, okay? I I remember one time I was walking out of speaking to 10,000 people in Mombasa, Kenya. I walk out of this meeting. My delegation walks me out. They they don't let me carry anything. They they, I feel like I should have my iPhone saying no thank you because they asked me to do so many things for me. I'm like, no thank you, no thank you, no thank you. They put me in a chair that almost looks like a throne. Three people come up bowing to me. One's got a basin. One's got a a, a towel around their arm. The other one's got a pitcher. And I looked at the leader. I said, what are they here to do? He said, they're here to wash your hands before you eat lunch. And I'm like, I can wash my own hands. And the Lord said, don't you dare not let them do this. I remember one time in Africa, I was speaking to 3,000 senior pastors. Associate pastors weren't allowed. They were from 18 countries. After that meeting, somebody served me dinner. They're walking away. The leader said, do you see who just served your dinner? I said, yeah, he is the head person of the entire national security for this nation. I said, what? He just served my dinner. And then he looked at me and he said, Aren't you the man of God? Then all of a sudden I I thought, okay, we don't get it in America. See, in America, we've confused worship with honor. Forever and ever and ever, we'll worship our God and no one and nobody else. But forever and ever and ever, we'll give honor to whom honors do because God loves honor. See, forever and ever and ever, I'll give honor to my mom and dad because God loves honor. Are you with me? I said, are you with me? You know, let me, let, let me just say this, okay? I go to these nations in the Middle East. Okay, when I spoke to those 2,500 leaders, do you know they literally put their life on the line to come, especially the ones from Iran, okay? They're on the edge of their seats, anticipating every word. They're writing like crazy. They're leaning on the edge of their seats, anticipating every word. I come to America, and they sit there like this. So they get their eyes open. We get our headaches healed. You figure it out. In fact, look, look, look what Paul says. He says, let the elders who will well be counted worthy of double honor. The only place you're going to find double honor in the whole Bible. It's not with government leaders. It's not with social leaders. It's not even with your parents. It's with church authorities. Let the elders who rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially honor, especially those who labor in the word of God and doctrine. I look at Dr. Cho. Dr. Cho's got 830,000 members in his church. I've played golf with Dr. Cho. I have hosted him twice. Let me tell you something. That man started his church in a dump, in an Asian dump. And today he has over 50,000 million and billionaires in his church. Okay? When I hosted him both times, 20 businessmen travel with him. They will not let him pay for anything. And I remember they stand in rooms until he comes in and then they'll sit down. I remember I walk him into a restaurant in Orlando, Florida. This is in Orlando. And there's 20 Korean businessmen decked out in suits, standing up at attention, and, they're, and I'm thinking to myself, what are they standing for? And then I watch him sit down, and then they all sit down, and they fight over who pays for his lunch because they want the honor of blessing him. See, but in America, oh, that's, uh, yeah, that's Pastor so-and-so. Yeah, yep, he pastors that church. I think it's called NCC. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's cool. So, Chose changed the whole nation. 
I was there last year doing a national conference. It's changed the whole nation. I mean the whole nation. The culture, everything. We spend billions of dollars on the gospel. And are we really changed? It's all about honor. Are you starting to get this? Okay, let's go to the next one. I, I got, I'm running out of time. I've only got, according to my clock, I had 35 minutes. Their clock was wrong. I got to go by my clock. I got three or four minutes left. Okay, so he who honors a righteous man in the name of a righteous man shall receive a righteous man's what? Okay, let me tell you one story that will illustrate this, okay? We gotta go, you guys got to skip a few frames so they can see it. There it is. All right, now, I'm in South Florida. I always like to floor direct. I was in South Florida, and I had just spoken, and I'm done with the meeting, and this guy comes walking up to me, nice-dressed businessman, and he said, Mr. Bevere, can I talk to you? I said, sure. He said, I own a company that we make fountains, specialized fountains for landscaping. And he said, there was a company, it's the largest landscaping design company in all of South Florida. He said, that company, we had done some fountains for them. They owed us $117 and they weren't paying us. And he said, John, that's a lot of money for my company. He said, so I was really angry. I was bad-mouthing the company. I was bad-mouthing the owner of the company. And then he said, I heard you preach on honor. He said, when I did, God really convicted me. And he said, so I went back to my my uh, employees. And I said, you know, guys, I've been so wrong. I have been bad-mouthing this company. I've been bad-mouthing the owner. I don't want you doing it anymore. And I'm certainly not. I'm just saying I'm repenting right now before you. Then he said, I drove down and I met with the owner of that company. He said, sir. He said, I didn't know if he was a Christian or not. He just said, sir, I've, I've talked bad about you to my employees because you've not paid the bill that we've sent you over and over. And he said, um, I just want you to know I, I'm the one that's wrong. And I will not do this anymore. I've told my company that we are to say nothing but good things about your company. And he said, you know what? You owe us 117. You just write us a check and you just send it to us what you think you owe us. He said, so I went back. I felt real good about it. But a week later, I got a check from that company for $11,000. Okay. So see, it doesn't work. (laughs) He said, two and a half weeks later, I got the largest job my company has ever gotten. Blew every other job out of the water. I got a two and a half million dollar job. He said four weeks after that, I got a seven million dollar job. You know what I've discovered? The greatest rewards I've received is when I honor those who dishonor me. Jesus said, you you love those that love you. You honor those that honor you. What reward do you have? Gang members do the same. Sure is quiet here. All right, let's go to the next one. And I've I've got to rush through because I think I'm out of time. And whoever gives one of these little ones only a cup of cold water honors them in the name of a disciple. Assuredly, I say to you, he should by no means lose his reward. Now Jesus is talking about those who are entrusted to our authority. He's talking about our wives, our children, our employees, our team members, our church members. You know, the Bible says, husbands, honor your wives as the weaker vessel. Now, weaker does not mean she's beneath you. It only means, and I mean it only means, she can't bench press as much as you. That's all it means. Because she's an heir together in the grace of life. In fact, you know what the Bible says, guys, if you don't speak to your wife in a, in a, way of, in, in a, in a manner of honor? Do you know what the Bible says? It says heaven will not listen to your prayers. Yeah. Now, that is a miserable place to be that heaven is not listening to you, okay? <laughs> hey, John, can I pray for you? <laughs> no, thanks. I see the way you talk to your wife. Heaven's not listening to you right now. <laughs> 
I mean, it goes right down. I mean, I could talk to you for hours. It re- I really could about the rewards I've received in honoring my wife, Lisa. The rewards I've received in honoring my sons. The rewards I've se- received in honoring my employees. It goes right down to the waiter in the restaurant, to the store person. I, you, you, you know, one of my favorite s- stores in the whole world is Whole Foods. I mean, I'm like a kid in a candy store when I go to Whole Foods. And I remember one time I was walking through Whole Foods. And it's a big store. It's a health food store. It, you know, it got like 60 employees. And I'm with one of my dearest friends, Aaron Badley. He's a professional golfer. And we were in the store for about 20 minutes. And Aaron looked at me and goes, John, does everybody in the store know you? I said, yeah, I think they do. Now, I don't want them to know I'm an author. I don't want them to know I'm a speaker, a pastor, a minister. I'm not a pastor. I should say a minister. And uh, I don't want them to know that. I just want them to know me because I talk to them, okay? And I show respect to them and value them. Are you with me? Like Richard in the meat department, I found I liked a certain kind of cheese. It was about $30 a pound. So I bought a half a pound. I brought it over to him. I said, Richard, I want you to take this home and have it with your wife. He just looked at me like, dude, thanks. Wow. I mean, one time I was with the manager. I said, hey, have you tried to mountain harvest bread? He goes, no. I said, let me buy it. You got to try it. One time I'm checking out and this girl goes, oh, I love that. I said, have you had lunch yet? She goes, no. I said, hold on. I ran, got another one. I bought it. I said, here, have it for lunch. She's like, oh my gosh. I remember one time I'm checking out and I'd always go to this certain girl at the checkout line. Now this girl, let me tell you, she had no Caucasian skin visible. She had, was covered with color tattoos, literally covered her entire body that was exposed, was color tattoos. Okay. 15 piercings. Her, her hair was usually four, sometimes five different colors. She would have fluorescent yellow next to bright red, next to purple, next to a, a, an orange. Okay. So I would go through her line and I'd go, whoa, your hair looks amazing today. And she'd go, oh, thanks. I said, how do you keep the blue from not blending into the fluorescent yellow? And she'd light up and start telling me about it, you know. And I remember one time her line was just a little too busy. So I, and I was in a hurry. So I went to the shorter line. And she closed down her line. She actually put closed, turned her people away, and came running over to me. She said, John, my grandfather died. And she's crying. And she said, I got to go live in Denver with my grandmother. She said, you know what I'm going to miss most of all? I'm going to miss you, your wife, and your boys. I love you guys so much. You know, she didn't even know I was a pastor. So I was able to give her the Beta Satan, a few other books, and, and some of Lisa's stuff, and minister to her. You know, why do we honor people? To get the reward? No. A million times no. That's the benefit. The reason we honor that person is because God paid the most expensive ransom price in the whole universe for that one individual. That's how valuable they are to God. Amen? Now, your greatest temptation is going to be this, to go out and treat everybody nice. You do that? It'll last about a week. What you've got to do is you've got to cry out for true honor to come into your heart. Did you get something out of this today? Did you get something out of this today? Amen? I want you to bow your heads and all the people in the campuses bow your heads. If you say, John, with your heads bowed, you say, I've not walked in. And can we have the house lights, please? If you say, John, I have not walked in this type of honor that you've talked about today. And I want this honor in my heart. Can you just slip your hand up right now? Just slip it up high all over this place. Okay, about 70% of the hands in this campus are up. I don't know about the other campuses. Let's just all pray this prayer. Say this with me. God in heaven, forgive me for not valuing men, women, and children the way you value men, women, and children. Today, I receive 
Jesus Christ as my Lord. And from this day forward, I will value those that you place in my life, men, women, and children, the way you value them. I'm asking you to put honor in my heart. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen.